My name is Brad, and I'm the lead pastor here at Hillside Church, and I want to thank you for listening to one of our messages from Hillside Church. We believe that the God who spoke so clearly all through the pages of Scripture is still speaking today. So if it's me speaking or if it's someone else, we pray that the message you are about to hear would allow you to know God, know His hope, know His purpose, and know His power. Enjoy the message. to follow along in our text this morning. If you'd like to follow along in your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 7. Um, We are currently in the middle of a teaching series called All Grown Up, and we're talking about what growth and growing up in our faith looks like, about how God wants us to grow up. And I assume that for each of us here, on some level, that's something we desire, that we want to grow as well. That, that's why you're here. That's why, that's why we come to church is, is, is because we want the community. But they're also, hopefully, because we want God to, to work in us. And we want God to help us grow up. That's why you're here. That's, that's why you're taking the time to watch online. Is because we want God ultimately to be working in us. And, and God wants us to grow because just as much as God loves us just how we are, God also loves us enough to not leave us there. He will meet you where you are in your life today. You do not have to earn God in your life. Wherever you are, wherever you're standing, wherever you are, God will meet you there. He will not stand at a distance and say, I will only go this far. You need to come the rest. God will meet you where you are, but God won't leave you there. God doesn't just say, oh, great, I'm so glad to meet you in in your sin and in your failing and and, and I love you so much and I'm just going to leave you here. But God God says, I will meet you, but let's go. We see that in, in, in his relationship with his disciples. That he met his disciples in all kinds of places. They were tax collecting, they were fishing, they were doing all kinds of different things and Jesus met them where they were. But he didn't leave them there. He said, in order for you to get everything that you need out of this, I need you to come with me. I need you to follow me. And so that's what God has for us, is is that he will meet us where we are. Whatever's wrong with us, wherever, all of our failings and our shortcomings. And we sang about that this morning, that God will meet us. But he doesn't just leave us there. He wants us to grow. He wants us to become more than we are. It's natural to, to want to stay the same. So much of our lives are actually dedicated to doing as much as we can so that we can do as little as we can. That we want to build the most comfortable, the most same, the most consistent life that we can. It's natural to desire and to create and want to stay inside of our comfort zone. That's natural. That's who we are as people. To come to a place where we feel good, where we feel comfortable and and say, ah. Finally found the sweet spot. I've arrived. And the motivator for change so often in in our life is discomfort. Is that something's not the way we want it to be. And so we, we do everything we can to take something that's uncomfortable and make it so that we don't have to change it anymore. Just to make it the same, make it comfortable. But I want to challenge all of us. 
Every single one of us, all, all of you, all of me, every single one of us, we have more to grow. We have more to grow in the Lord. Do you know how I know this? Because you're still alive. And if you're not, just raise your hand so an usher, no. Um, but, because um, we believe, um, but you're still kicking. And as long as we are alive, we're still called to be growing. That Paul will say, not that I've achieved it. Not that I'm already there. And that needs to be our heart for our lives is no matter how long we've lived, no matter how long we've lived with the Lord, to be able to say, you know, I'm not all the way there yet. And that's what we've been talking about this summer. What, what does it look like for us to grow? And today as we continue to, to look at growth through the picture of the fruit of the Spirit, we're going to be looking at the fruit of goodness. The fruit of goodness in our lives. And to to do that, we're going to look at something that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. But then we're also going to look at something Jesus did in Matthew chapter 8. So I said turn to Matthew 7 because that's easy, because it's easy to get to, to 8 from 7. So, as we talked a little bit last week actually, Matthew chapter 7 is part of this big long talk, this sermon that Jesus gives that we call the Sermon on the Mount. And he gives... Uh, 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 talk on all kinds of subjects, and there's a whole lot that Jesus talks about, but there's a couple verses that I specifically want to talk with you about this morning to get a picture of, of what goodness and being good looks like, and then we'll take it and tangibly show, show a picture of that, but today we're going to start in Matthew chapter 7, we're going to start at verse 16 that says, by their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or, or figs from thistles? Jesus uses a, a pretty simple analogy to, to show a pretty profound truth, to help us understand. Let's play a game. We'll play a quick little game here. I'm going to hold up a fruit. You tell me what kind of tree it came from. Now, what if I said you were wrong? What if I said it came from a papaya tree? I'm wrong. All right. What about this? What if I told you it came from a grapefruit tree? What if I insisted it came from a grapefruit tree? What if with every fiber in my being, I said to you, I know this is a banana. I know this is a banana. But I promise you, I picked this off, what did I say, a papaya tree? What did I say? Grapefruit. Grapefruit, all right. Well, yeah, my lies are coming apart at the seams. Um, but what if I promised you I got this from a grapefruit tree? Does it, does it matter? Now, what about this? Here's a tricky one. Where did, what kind of tree did this come from? Ah, there you go. I got you. I, I wrote a grape tree in my notes, and I was like, that doesn't sound right. And then had this weird moment where I had to Google, where do grapes come from? And then it was like a grapevine, and I was like, oh, of course. But I was like, grape tree does not sound right. <laughs> but what if I told you, I swore to you, that I got this from a thorn bush? 
What if I promised you? I said, I don't know how it happened. It was the most amazing thing. My backyard is full of thorn bushes and they're covered in grapes. Doesn't matter what I, it doesn't matter what I say. Jesus will say, and you know full well, you can recognize a tree, a plant, the vine, by whatever fruit it produces. It doesn't matter how much I insist, insist, insist that these grapes came from a thorn bush. You say, it's not a thorn bush, man. It's a grapevine. It really is. You can't pick a grape from it. It's not a thorn bush. It's just not, no matter how bad we want it to be, no matter how much belief, no matter how confidently I can say to you that when you come over to my house, look at my incredible vineyards full of grapes. If all you see are thorn bushes, you're going to say, man, you don't have grapevines. If it's a thorn bush, it's a thorn bush. Jesus will go on to say, likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. So Jesus says, first, you can, you can tell what kind of, of, of a tree you've got by what's growing on it. But he takes it even further than that and says, you can even tell what kind of quality of tree you've got based on what kind of quality of fruit you've got coming off of it. If you, if you were to come to our house, which you can today at 3 o'clock, I didn't mention earlier, if you don't know my address, that wasn't like a subtle way of weeding you out. Um, if you don't know my address, just come in and speak to me and I will make sure to get it to you so that you can come and join us today. You are invited, you are wanted, and you are welcomed. But if you were to come to our house today, in our backyard, you will see some garden boxes. And Yvonne and I, over the last couple of years, have kind of gotten into this hobby of gardening. They're not big. They're not vast. It's not we're like a self-sustainable house with all the food we grow. They're little and they're small and they're manageable. And it's been fun. And this year started out really great. Everything was growing wonderfully. And then it got stupid hot. And it got stupid hot for a long time. And it just kept being hot. And our desire and our drive to go out and keep watering, keep watering, keep watering, and it's 37 degrees out, and we got to keep watering, it just kind of... And then this year, birds started eating our plants for the first time, and it was like, what on earth? It, all that to say that if you were to come over for today, and we were to have these amazing yellow beans available for you to snack on. Beautiful, large, plump, and juicy. Looked amazing. And then we said to you, we grew those. Would you like to see our, our bean plants? You said, oh, that would be great. These are amazing. I would love to see how you were able to do this in such a drought. And you came and you looked at the quality of our bean plants. You would say to yourself, there is no way that those came from this. Something that nice does not come from something that not nice. That, that the quality of what's coming is directly representative of the quality of what it came from. That if, if you're getting bad fruit, it comes from a bad tree. If you're getting good fruit, it has to come from a good tree. That it can't come any other way. Verse 18. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. 
If it's good, it's healthy. If it's ripe, if it's juicy, it's delicious. Fruit, it must come from a good tree. And if the fruit that comes from a tree is not so good and delicious, then it's, it's not a good tree. And what Jesus is challenging us here with is that as we as people are like the trees and the things that our lives produce, they're, they're like fruit. So we can look at our lives and see what is my life producing? Is it good fruit? Is it bad fruit? And we'll talk about what good fruit and bad fruit is in a minute. But Jesus tells us that we can learn some hard truths about ourselves and our lives when we use this measuring stick. Because if we're making, or if we're only making thorns, no matter how bad we want to believe that we're a grapevine, we're a thorn bush. That no matter how confident I am in saying, my life is full of great, big, juicy, green grapes, they're delicious, they're amazing, I am a good grapevine. If the hallmark of my life is nothing but thorns, Jesus would say, you're a thorn bush, man. If we're making fruit that we, that if, we're, if we're making fruit, it's not good fruit, it's not healthy, it's not the kind and quality of the fruit that we feel like we should be making, maybe, maybe we're not the healthiest tree. And this, this can be a tough look in the mirror. But Jesus says, look at the fruit, and, and if you look at the fruit, you can tell what you need to know about the tree. You can tell what kind of tree it is, and you can tell how good of a tree it is. So let me ask you this today. What does your fruit look like? What kind of fruit are you producing? And is it good? Is it good fruit? From this, there's a couple principles that I want to take and, and apply to our lives and to help us see and understand how we can better be the judge of the fruit in our lives to see if the fruit of the spirit of goodness is something that's really growing in us, developing in us, or if we just have convinced ourselves that we're an orange tree that produces thorns. So the first principle that you need to know about your fruit is that it's not the fruit's fault. Sometimes in our lives, we can have a tendency to blame the fruit. The things that our life produces. It's not my fault my fruit isn't healthy. It's not my fault my marriage is falling apart. It's not my fault my kids hate me. It's not my fault that my employment is hanging by a thread because my boss and everyone else at work thinks I'm a jerk. I don't know why this black cloud seems to follow me around everywhere I go, but I do know this much, it's not me. I am a good tree, and I should be producing good fruit. But for some reason, this stupid fruit, this dumb dang fruit, it's just being bad. But Jesus will say, look at your fruit. Your fruit will tell you everything you need to know about your, your tree. Say, a good tree can't bear bad fruit. As much as we want it to be, it's not the fruit's fault. If our fruit isn't good, it's not the fruit's fault. It's the tree's fault. It's us. 
It's the tree that needs to change. It's not the fruit's fault. Now, second thing we need to know about our fruit, and this is where we're going to flip over to Matthew chapter 8. It's a good fruit looks like Jesus. As we talk about in our lives, wanting to grow in goodness, wanting to have good fruit, what you need to know, what I need to know about my fruit is that good fruit looks like Jesus. And so to understand what it means for us to be able to see the fruit of our lives and see good fruit, we're going to look at the life of Jesus. A story that takes place just one chapter over, and it's, it's the story of Jesus healing someone. But it's not actually the miracle that happens that's really relevant to our, 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 our talk this morning. But it's really the circumstances around this miracle that are important. Jesus heals somebody, but the healing isn't where we're going to see his goodness. It's the circumstances around it. So we're going to start by looking at, at Matthew chapter 8. And we're going to start looking in verse, verse 5. It says, When Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking him for help. And really, that's it. That's all you need to know about the fruit of Jesus and, and what good fruit looks like. It's all contained in this verse. And we're going to unpack that for you in a second. But let's just read the rest of the text and, and then we'll come back to this because we'll get some more information. Verse 6 says, Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and, and heal him? And the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go and he goes. And that one come and he comes. I, I say to my servant, do this, and he, he does it. File, file this away for a moment. Just, just a thought in the back of your mind. Remember that, that this is a man who, who has authority and, and commands it well. That, that it's not wishy-washy responses that he gets. That his soldiers do exactly what he tells them to do. But, but Jesus, he's amazed by this man's faith. And, and as, as, as the man tells him that, you can read in the next couple of verses where Jesus unpacks sort of all that's taking place in this moment of, of this, this, this centurion saying these things and, and demonstrating this faith and, and all of that. But we come to the conclusion of the story in verse 13, where then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed in that very moment. So why are we looking at this story to understand good fruit and what does it show us about the fruit in our lives? Well, there's two things that we need to understand that take place in this story. But for us to understand the significance of, of this story, we need to look at the details of what's happening. Jesus is traveling and when he comes to a place called Capernaum, and there's nothing particularly unique or special that it's Capernaum that this story takes place in. But like last week... Jesus is confronted by someone who really puts a twist on the story. Last week, we talked about a man with a disease. This week, it's a Roman centurion. Now, let's stop for a moment and, and, and reflect on that. This is a Roman centurion. He, that means he's a commander in the Roman army. And who's the Roman army? 
They're the occupying military force. He, he is a soldier of Rome, the army that has taken over and conquered God's people. And as a centurion, that means that he oversaw at least 100 other soldiers, that, that there was at least 100 people under him that he gave orders to. So he wasn't just a soldier with, with no particular power or authority or ability to dictate what was going on around him. This is a man who spoke and things happened. Remember, he said that. He said, I have authority. If I tell someone to jump, they say, how high? I tell him to come, he comes. I tell him to go, he goes. Whatever, whatever I say happens. And that means that this man probably, undoubtedly, to get where he was, would have been involved with the authorization of the heavy-duty oppression that was happening to the Jewish people. The, Jewish, or the, the Roman people, they're, they're the ones who would go on to, to crucify. They, they're the ones who, who ruled with, with a heavy hand, that, that ruled with, with a heavy presence. He was probably a part of, of people being killed for opposing Rome. That, that he would have been in charge of ordering the Roman soldiers to go and oppress the people. To go and enforce the rule. To go and, and push down on the Jewish people. He was a centurion. He was an upper in the Roman military. The oppressors of the people of Jesus, this man almost undoubtedly would have had Jewish blood on his hands. He was an officer in an army that was ruling over the people. And this man comes to Jesus. Now here's the second thing we need to understand. So first, who it was. It was a Roman centurion and all that that meant. And then second, why does he come to Jesus? He comes to Jesus because he knows that Jesus is good. He's banking the life of his servant on the goodness of Jesus. That the goodness of Jesus would be such that Jesus, a Jew, would help this man whose life and profession at the moment is focused on the oppression of the Jewish people. This Roman officer, this pagan, who probably might not even have been a believer in the God who is Jesus but believed in the good who is Jesus. And Jesus ultimately heals this, this Roman soldier, this Roman centurion, his servant. And why does he do that? Because Jesus is God and God is good. If you've been to church for a long time, if I say to you, God is good, and all the time. Now, if you don't know what that is, that's all right. But that's a thing that we say that we've gone back a long, long time. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. So this, this Roman centurion comes to Jesus. This man who is involved with the oppression of Jesus and his people comes and says, would you help me? And God is good all the time. Jesus isn't playing favorites. He isn't doing good things for this guy 
because he deserved it. He's not doing good things for people because they deserve them. He's not doing good things for people because they earn them. Because you've been reading your Bible, because you've not been saying very many cuss words, and because you've only been watching PG movies. So then God is going to do good things for you, right? God is good all the time. And this guy didn't get a good because he had earned it. It's because God is good. So then... Last question for us this morning. What exactly is good fruit? What does it mean for our lives to have good fruit? A big house? Fancy car? Loads of cash? Popular? A comfortable, easy life? Now, because we're in church, and if I asked you if that's what it was, I'm sure you'd say no. No, no, no. I, I know enough to know that that's not the holy answer to give. That that's not it. But I think deep down inside, we're all looking for the good fruit of our lives to be things just like this. That if I follow God, if I do my best to follow God, then the fruit of my life should look like that. If I do good by God... Shouldn't he give me a big house? I probably should be rich. I mean, the Bible says he's got storehouses of heaven full of blessings. He's got the cattle on a thousand hills. If I read my Bible every day, surely he could slide some stuff my way. But I think when we look at the story we just read, we see that the good fruit of Jesus' life led this man to seek out Jesus in his needs. See, point three, good fruit points people to Jesus. The measure of your life isn't based on an objective, do I like and appreciate this fruit? Is this fruit making my life better or worse kind of metric? That's how we want to judge it. And we do. God, why is this happening to me? God, I do my best to serve you, and this is how you repay me. God, if you're good, then why is this thing that is obviously not good happening to me? Have you ever said that? Have you ever thought that? I, I know I have. I've seen people tell people, you're sick. It's because you don't love God enough. Your sickness is a sign that you're out of the will of God. If you were just a better believer, the fruit in your life would not be that sickness. But good fruit isn't necessarily good life circumstance. Good fruit is the fruit that points people to Jesus. See, and this is probably a whole other sermon or a whole other sermon series, but I'm going to drop this on you right at the very end of this sermon. Maybe to give you something to think about, maybe to have you leave frustrated, I don't know. <laughs> but this is the exchange that we make 
when we become a follower of Christ. This is the exchange that we make that allows for all of those verses that seem to tell us that God will give us whatever we want. This is the exchange that we make to allow those verses to actually make sense. That if we, it, we, we need to make this exchange so that when the Bible says, commit to the Lord, whatever you do and your plans will succeed. How does that verse make sense? Unless I've given over everything I want to point people to Jesus. Because your plans will not always succeed. But it's probably because as much as we'd like to think we haven't committed them the way we need to. When we become a follower of Christ, we make this exchange in our lives. We say it's, it's no longer about us. It's about pointing people to Jesus. I give my life to Jesus and, and suddenly my life, it's not about making my life better. But it becomes about everyone else and bringing them closer to Jesus. So Paul will say, to live is luxury. No, that's not what he says. To live is Christ. As long as I'm living, my life is about Christ and whatever comes along with that. And so if I got to go to jail, I will go to jail. I have learned to be content in all circumstances, but I really prefer the ones when it's easy. So whether I've got nothing or I've got something, whether I have lots or I have little, whether I'm in jail or whether I'm free, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can live it all out because... My life is not about making my life better. I give my life to Jesus and suddenly my life, it's not about making my life better. But it becomes about everyone else and bringing them closer to Jesus. So the good fruit in our lives is as much as we'd like it to be, it's not about us and our circumstances. But it's about our lives and our circumstances being used to point people to Jesus. So in your life, there are undoubtedly in every single one of our lives here today, some of us have stuff we wish that wasn't there. And some of us, collectively, we would all say, yeah, you've got it rough. And some of us, collectively, everyone else might go, that's it. Man, if only you knew. But the point isn't the severity. The point is, the reason that they're there is to provide you an opportunity to point people to Jesus. So how can we tell if we have good fruit or not? Do people see the goodness of God in us? Are people seeing the things that we say, the things that we do, the things that we post, the circumstances in which we do all of these things, both good and bad? And are they drawn to Jesus or are they pulled further away? There's the measure of the fruit in our lives. And in this story, the goodness of the life of Jesus, 
The good fruit of his life had caused this, this centurion Roman occupier. It doesn't say he stumbled across Jesus. It doesn't say that when Jesus was passing by, it says that the centurion comes to him, that he seeks him out. Because the fruit of the life of Jesus was such that this man knew Jesus was who he needed to see. We don't read about a long history of connection between this man and Jesus. This guy, he had just heard of the fruit of the life of this guy, Jesus, and so I need to go find him. This is the fruit of our life causing people who have no connection to Jesus to see the goodness of Jesus and to be drawn to him. So, how do we grow in our goodness? To see the good fruit in our lives, to be a tree that bears good fruit, is to look like Jesus in this story. It's not just to be good to those who deserve it, but it's also to be good to those who simply just don't. To be open to reach out to the occupying forces in your life, to those who maybe we don't want there, to those who maybe make us angry or frustrate us or, or feel like they're pushing us down, to those who we wish hadn't crossed our paths and were not in our lives. But don't get it twisted. It's not just to do good things for them. That's not it. The measure of the fruit in our lives is if it points people to Jesus. Friends, let's be a people who point people to Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that as we've gathered together as, as your children. And God, I thank you that even as, as we come together and as we've talked about maybe the not so good things in our lives, God, and I know that for, I'm sure for many, that can stir up a lot of confusing emotions. Because some of the difficult things are really difficult and really hard. And God, I don't know why they're there. God, we don't know why they're there. But God, here they are. And God, my prayer for each one of us today is, God, may we not confuse our circumstances with the blessings of God. May we not confuse our circumstances with our purpose. May we not confuse the que question of why with the question of what. And God, I pray for each one of us here as we deal with the things in our lives. God, may we recognize that the fruit of our life is not the circumstances we find ourselves in. Fruit of our lives is what we do with our circumstances. Are we showing good fruit, a good fruit that would lead people to you? And God, I pray for the areas in each one of our lives where we're not showing good fruit. God, I know that for myself, I can think of them, and I'm sure for each one here, God, you can, can bring to mind places where, you know, the fruit is not good there. And God, I thank you that you can transform us, you can change us, you can make us into a tree that bears good fruit. That we're, we're not trees that are sick unto death, but that we are, we are trees that can be brought back and that you can bring us back. So God, I pray that you'd be doing that even right now. That you would be bringing us back to life through you and in you. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. I could write a melody that 
All of heaven's choir sings. Thanks for listening to this message from Hillside Church. I pray that you were blessed by what God had to say in this message. If you would like to connect further with Hillside Church, there are a couple places you can go. HillsideAirdrie.ca is our website, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HillsideAirdrie. You can also look us up on YouTube and find all of our messages on Apple Podcasts. If you would like to connect to the pastoral team at Hillside, you can do that through our website, hillsideairdry.ca, and click on About Us in the main menu, and then click on Our Pastors. We're so thankful to be able to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ with our community in Airdrie and with you today. At Hillside Church, we are a family, not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. And that family includes you. As family we go. At best it all means nothing With our love it all means nothing I can dine with the kings and queens My name go down in history But if I don't have love it means Crashing symbol. Yeah. No, I don't want to be some empty noise. Down on my knees, Lord, I surrender. Jesus, help me to love with a love like yours. I don't want to sound like a crashing symbol No, no, no I don't want to be some empty noise Oh, I'm down on my knees, Lord, I surrender Help me to love with a love like yours And then it I love my neighbor like I love myself.
Something. Mm-hmm. 